0: Welcome to Macintosh and Mod. Haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana.
1: And I'm David.
0: And today we watched The Prince of Tides.
1: A troubled man talks to his suicidal sister's psychiatrist about their family history and falls in love with her in the process. Barbara.
0: Barbara. What is this movie?
1: It is the highest form of trauma porn. Like the absolute pinnacle.
0: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> It has
1: its moments.
0: Yeah. I wasn't
1: completely annoyed by it. Like, it pushes it way too far, but I also don't feel like that's the filmmaker's fault at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is based on a novel. Yeah. And it feels like one of those upfront bookstore novels that you would read.
0: <laughs> Maybe.
1: I I mean, that's the vibe I get from it, is like the whole the whole point of this is that it's... It's a little bit pulpy.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely like a book club special.
1: Yes, it's an Oprah it's an Oprah's pick movie.
0: Yeah, it 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 would be. What really
1: pushes it above and beyond is and no, it's not Barbara. Though, Barbara holds her own. Yeah, she's all right. Honestly, I mean, we'll talk about it in cast. It's Nick Nolte.
0: Oh yeah, he's the real deal here.
1: He's holding the movie together Mm -hmm. from completely flying apart. And there are lots of moments where this movie could have just been completely unremarkable. Mm -hmm. But because of both the talent that is involved in it and decent choices in directing. Yeah. It somehow elevates just enough to make it a pretty decent movie. wouldn't necessarily call it great. But it's it's decent. And there are some really fascinating, great parts to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you get a movie like this and you start rolling your eyes right away in the opening monologue, and you think, "Oh boy, I'm in for a bad one," and then it turned out I was like, "This wasn't the worst one we've had to watch yet." Like,
0: no, it it's not. It it is a hard watch.
1: Well, for sure because of the subject matter. My God,
0: yeah, and it's pretty awful in in that regard. But I, I don't know. I'm I think I'm still a little conflicted on this one.
1: I think its problem is that it tackles a whole bunch of really horrible stuff head-on mm-hmm. without putting any art or thought in how to do it.
0: Yeah. And then also, like, you know, the the there's all of the ethical bullshit of a psychiatrist. Yes. It's not good. It's not good.
1: That that whole part is is awful and wrong. And like again, that that specifically is a byproduct of yeah, you're not, you're going to just ignore that when you tell this story because it's a romance, <laughs> but it shouldn't be ignored. I Well, it shouldn't be ignored, especially when the stakes are as high as they are with this family.
0: It, it, it just went to a place it didn't need to, and it, it also should never have. Like, I don't, I, I don't care if that's in the source material or not. Like, no. Also,
1: that romance really isn't pivotal to the story.
0: No, it's, it's not. Remotely, and it's also not interesting at all
1: well that's this is true. It's the most boring part of it, huh All right, well, the budget for this movie was thirty million dollars because if it's Barbara, it's going for broke yeah sixty five million five hundred thousand in today's money, but this was always sure to be somewhat of a hit it made 75 million dollars that's about 164 million in today's money mm-hmm. and that's in, like just domestic box office
0: yeah okay. a
1: certified hit and i mean come on come on <laughs> yeah so let's talk about the writing of this movie this is based off of a novel by pat conroy this is his only ever screenplay but he also wrote the novels The Great Santini, The Lords of Discipline, and The Water is Wide, all of which have been adapted into movies themselves. Oh, okay. We also have Becky Johnston, credited for the screenplay. Before this, she wrote Under the Cherry Moon, The Prince Movie. And after this, she wrote Seven Years in Tibet, and recently, House of Gucci. Oh,
0: wow. Okay.
1: But of course, uncredited for this screenplay is none other than Barbara Streisand.
0: Barbara Streisand.
1: Per Pat Conroy quote: "It was that kind of amazing attention Barbara gave to detail. She put her mark on everything. I've never seen anyone go through a total immersion in a project like she does. I mean, here is how much input I had on the script. I think Barbara actually wrote it. She certainly wrote more of it than I did. She should have taken a screenwriting credit on it." Unquote.
0: Yay. <sighs> I I don't blame her at all.
1: Okay, we've talked about her several times now, obviously. This is the first movie of hers, though, that she's directing. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things is that in the past, one of the problems is she gets so much creative headspace. And again, she's the biggest diva of all time. Yes. When you give her creative control, Mm -hmm. what I find interesting is that the impulses seem to be better. The things that she brings up that go completely against what we want in *A Star Is Born* or *Funny Lady*,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for the first time with her work, I'm like, oh, you're one of the rare people that giving absolute control to might seem like a nightmare, but might actually be for the benefit of the project that
0: you're in. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I I don't know how much is her and how much yeah. is the source, and you know, Nick Nolte's killing it. I mean, it's not. Not I don't know, I, I don't know that I can say it's a good movie. It's not at all a failure. She certainly did a good job. I just don't know how much of that is purely based on like her input into the script. like what what did she change?
1: Well, so let me let me throw this out here for an idea on the writing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you can do to this story, given the element of the romance has to be involved? Mm-hmm. and, the stakes have to be pushed relatively to this extreme, like we have to we have to at least mention the darkest point of Tom Wingo's mm-hmm. trauma. We don't necessarily have to show it, but we have to mention
0: it. yeah, he has to speak it.
1: Do you think there's a way to write it to where it's adapted better if we have to include all of that? Yes, okay,
0: there are better ways to do that. We have to include it. I mean, first and foremost, we have to nix the romance because it's not realistic and it's not appropriate. And honestly, I think it makes what should be this relevation that like, I love my family and that's what I'm going to go fight for and do right by is muddied by the fact like, oh, you've been fucking your sister's psychiatrist. Like it's. Well, uh, so that's where
1: I go. Like, I feel like that's what sold the movie in 1991.
0: Well, here's the thing. I mean, if you look at the posters, anything I'd ever heard of this was that it's a is is the romance angle. And um, and that's just not what this movie is about at all. And I think that's what I have a problem with.
1: Yeah. The the problem that I, I see, too, is that I don't think you can get this movie made then unless you include that romance element. And that's the bigger problem. And I don't know that that's necessarily Barbara's fault, but it it puts a pretty big Big albatross around the neck of the script for anybody working on it.
0: Well, I mean, is the romance in the source material?
1: I believe so. I mean, I believe this is very much written as part of the novel.
0: Okay, well, I don't like that. (laughs) Because no. But I think what you do there is that you make it, you just do some like clever trailering of like, you make it think that there's going to be a romance between these two. And instead it becomes like, a genuine friendship and that's still like crossing an ethical boundary, but it could have been, it could have started in a way that wasn't meant to be. I, mean, I don't There could have been a more nuance to it. And, and it's funny. That's where
1: it's headed for a good chunk of the time. And then mm-hmm. the romance feels real tacked on. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's very haphazard. Yeah. The way it's thrown together on the writing. And that's, I think you do have a better movie if you are pushing that line of where is that boundary that is a whole part of this plot and you know the idea that look Susan wants to do whatever it takes to get to to get this woman better, but is whatever it takes crossing the line
0: yeah, and that's not okay and maybe if there had been some inkling or just at all just blatantly done that she is gotten in trouble for crossing lines or you know, just like like they, there has to be someone in universe being like, mm, this isn't okay. And and there's not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well let's talk about our directing. Oh wait, it's the same lady. It's Barbara Streisand.
0: I mean that is pretty cool. Before
1: this she directed Yentel and after this she directed The Mirror Has Two Faces, mm-hmm. along with most of her music videos and concert films going mm-hmm. forward. What do we think of her directing of this movie?
0: Uh, it's perfectly fine.
1: This is the part where I give her more credit, and where I'm like, okay, maybe we let Barbara sit behind the camera. Maybe we don't let her write. We get somebody do a good, really good script,
0: right? Mm-hmm. But put her behind the camera, she'll do pretty good. Well, that's where I'm like, man, I just make her producer on things. That too. That-
1: again, you're right. It's not. It's nothing super remarkable. No, but I do think you know. First of all. In the moments of the absolute worst of what we have to watch, I think she figured out a pretty good line of being graphic because we don't want to hide away from it, mm-hmm. but also not making it off-putting.
0: Oh, it was definitely off-putting. Okay, it, it it's off-putting, mm. and no, I think I don't think she went necessarily too far, but there's probably five or six seconds that need to be cut from this film. Mm. And I I think they're purely in there as part of the shock value and not because they add anything to the story.
1: Well, I think literally the entire last 30 minutes of the movie make no goddamn sense.
0: No, they don't. And that's the other thing is he reveals all this and then it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden everything gets rushed to conclusion. It's like you built up to all of this and this this is a huge like thing, but there's no processing of it. And she's like, boom, I'm going to go love my wife. Bye. Yeah, I
1: think the better way to tell that story is, and again, I, I think it it is interesting to cross that line, but it's, you know, okay, let's say the romance angle stays. Mm-hmm. You have this romantic encounter. Then she pushes him more for information. He loses it. And finally, he's like, fine, here's what this means. And it breaks down. And that's what finally saves things. But it's also what's the what's the toll been taken on on them and then he's like i only have one choice i have to go to my family
0: no that's still horrible no. he's at that point he's fully left his his family and he's basically badgered this woman into like basically using her to like i don't know yeah I don't know. it's it's not good <laughs> it's not good what you know what what could work is that you know he he's telling her very small versions of what happened and then he's and then it just kind of twists here and there and then she kind of because she and she knows she, he's lying to her um she's not telling him the whole truth and then eventually he just blurts it all out and then that becomes a problem it's like I can never I always felt like if I admitted it this would be a much bigger deal but now I feel like I feel free and that's what I need to do I need to tell my wife I've never talked to her about this like that needs that should be the conclusion of that yeah is that like oh wow I feel free. From, you know, like, saying, you know, what's been going on, that's what I need to do with the other people in my life. But no, it's this shit. Okay, you're right. This movie's real bad. (laughs) It's not good. Like, it's not not good at all. And I'm very annoyed that this is Dr. Sharon Fieldstone's favorite book in Ted Lasso. This makes me question her her abilities. On
1: the flip side, Mm -hmm. I think at the very least, it's also just if you're just reading a pure romance novel style thing yeah. I, I think i could understand why you would enjoy it <laughs> you do have to turn a whole lot of your like moral ethical logical brain off today to like go along with this movie
0: <laughs> to t- go along with the movie yes but for romance no like romance can be i agree enjoyable I agree. and also ethical and not like downgrade women or like make men idiots like it- It can do all those things.
1: I think it just. This is not it. This is not it. This struck a nerve in 1991. That's what it boils down to. All right. Well, who could have been better? Robert Redford. Yes. Robert Redford was up to direct this movie. He actually planned to direct it and play Tom Wingo. Oh, that
0: would have been amazing.
1: Along in that process, he approached Barbara about playing Susan Lowenstein, Hmm. which credit where credit's do? I think she would have been a perfect cast, whether she was directing this movie or not. I think okay. she's a great choice for that character. Mm-hmm. But he kept having issues getting the script together
0: mm.
1: and getting one he liked. We talked about this with all the president's men. He's He can get picky about how the script reads. Good. And eventually he lost interest and Barbara was still really excited about the project. So he gave her the rights. Oh, cool. which cool for Robert Redford. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about our cast. Let's talk about a gentleman who I have glowing things to say in this movie. Mm-hmm. that is nick nolte as tom wingo this is this the is a twofer time in, in this 1991 series yeah he does a fantastic supporting job in cape fear and he does an incredible job in this movie
0: yes he is very captivating in this film like he's fun to watch he's yeah he's very good
1: the moment that sold it for me and uh you know we'll we'll get to the nominations but the moment that seals it is we get to that scene, and we're specifically not going to talk about it because it's gross it's it's grotesque and difficult and mm-hmm. yuck, but his eyes, yeah, the way his eyes dart around the room as he's looking for the words to describe things, yeah, is incredible mm-hmm. it's, it's just amazing between that and all of the the fun quote unquote southern charm that he's clearly burying all his pain under Mm -hmm. he took a character that that's basically just you know an impenetrable brick wall Mm -hmm. and he made it full of life he's amazing in this movie
0: he's he's wonderful
1: i was i was so pleasantly surprised and again it's just a nice reminder of like oh yeah that's why that guy's a movie star all right who could have been better
0: Mm.
1: jeff bridges sure uh, she would work with him a few years later in The Mirror Has Two Faces. Okay. Also, Don Johnson. Nah. He was a fan of the novel. He actually pitched it to Barbara as well while they were dating.
0: Oh, okay. He doesn't have the range for this.
1: Well, uh, she dove in and planned on him playing the lead, but by the time they got to ready for production, they had split up, so he was not considered for this role. Of course not. We all know Barbara loves to fall in love with her co-stars. She do. And who could have been better? Kevin Costner. Um, maybe. Oh, he could do it.
0: I I think he could, but maybe.
1: It wouldn't have been as good as Nick Nolte here, though. I agree. Jeff is the only other guy I feel confident could bring the same level of of introspection. And honestly, I think Nolte does just some incredible extra work that none of these guys usually bring. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we have Barbara Streisand as Susan Lowenstein. Yeah. I mean, she's Barbara.
0: Barbara. We've talked about her a lot.
1: When we're in the actual therapist mode, she's great. And the rest of the time, it's really not her fault as an actress as much as it is just like, there's nothing here for you. Like, I, I don't, you could have gotten Meryl. And Meryl would have done a good job, but Meryl still wouldn't have been able to pull it off because the writing's so bad for Susan.
0: Meryl Street could polish any turd.
1: Honey, I don't know.
0: It, <laughs> it would not fix the movie, but her character would be better because it's eh. Meryl Street. She has that ability. The writing is very flat. Barbara doesn't know how to bring other things to the character
1: we very much have discussed this.
0: <laughs> yeah, she she can't bring anything else than what she's got or what's on the page. If the page is good, she can do it. Good for oh, you. Yeah. But that's not here and she couldn't get it there. She's pretty good in the therapist scene. She's very good in the ball bustingness of it cuz you know, that's Barbara. Yeah. But again, that's what she brings to a little bit of everything that she works on. And that's fine.
1: It just, yeah, but
0: this character is boring and extremely flawed. And we don't spend enough time with her for that to really be interesting or to make that a thing that she grows from in this movie. It's all about him, and that again, that's fine. Um, but if you're gonna do something like this, you have to acknowledge that it's not it's not good. It's
1: just funny to me because on paper, she is the perfect person to play this role mm-hmm. but the the problem here is that, and it is the danger of casting yourself in your own movie, mm-hmm. you know, with those, with that many hats and with a pretty flawed project, mm-hmm. even though I know you like it. I know a lot of people like it. Uh, clearly, the studio loved it. But are you putting on too many too many hats here? I'm are you taking on too, too much. much? Yeah. And I don't know if, if that's part of it or if it to me, though, it just reads as I'm sorry, honey, there's just nothing here for you to give. <laughs> And we know you're talented. We know you're more talented than what you got here.
0: (laughs) This is just not your lane.
1: No, it's not. All right, let's talk about Blythe Danner as Sally Wingo. Mm -hmm. It is Mother of Gwyneth. Before this, she was in 1776, Love and Molly, Hearts of the West, Future World, The Great Santini, Brighton Beach Memoirs, and Alice. After this, she was in Husband and Wives, Too Wong Fu, The X-Files movie, Meet the Parents, Will and Grace, Sylvia, Meet the Fockers, Howl's Moving Castle, The Last Kiss, Little Fockers, Made Off on TV, and American Gods on TV. What do we think of Blythe Danner in this movie?
0: She's pretty good, but again, the writing's not very good for her. Boy,
1: howdy, what a terrible character.
0: Um, and I mean, yes, it's Oh, she's a terrible character, but like they don't do anything with her. She's just miserable, m- kind of, m- kind of wants a divorce, not real sure about it, which is fine. But like, ha- give it some stakes because there aren't.
1: Oh, and by to clarify, by terrible character, I don't mean that like she's hateable and evil. I mean it is the most one dimensional character of a woman.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally just uh, I think I want a divorce. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm paying attention to this other guy.
1: She does an amazing job of grounding it and making it real.
0: Yeah, but it's not interesting at all. No. <laughs> That's not life. That's not Lots life's of life. good
1: work for no purpose. Yeah. And finally, we must mention Kate Nelligan playing Lila Wingo Newberry, a.k.a. Mom. Before this, she was in 1979's Dracula, Frankie and Johnny, and Shadows and Fog. After this, she was in Fatal Instinct, How to Make an American Quilt, Up Close and Personal, U.S. Marshals, The Cider House Rules, and Premonition. What do we think of Kate Nelligan in this movie? Who? Who?
0: Yeah, I I could care less.
1: (laughs) You don't care about the mom? You don't care about the talking, telling each kid
0: how they were her favorite? No, because again, there are no stakes to it. it. She just comes in, does her thing, and leaves. But there's nothing to it. Like it's bullshit. You know that from the second you meet her, but you're, it's also like, who cares? Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, let's talk about some Arpon's.
0: Random people of
1: note. Playing Henry Wingo, the father, Brad Sullivan. He was in Sister Act 2, Slapshot, and The Untouchables. Hmm. Uh who could have been better? If Jeff Bridges took the role, Barbara was interested in casting his father, Lloyd Bridges, as Henry.
0: Oh, that's that'd be cool.
1: Uh, Lloyd refused to take the role, I assume on the grounds of how cruel he had to be on screen. No. And partially because Lloyd had cultivated, you know, his image as being an airplane and hotshots as the weirdo <laughs> parody actor guy. Mm-hmm. Jeroen playing Herbert Woodruff. He has been a European bad guy in many, many things. Who? Oh. Melinda Dillon, playing Savannah Wingo, she just recently passed away, uh, but she was the mom from A Christmas Story, and she was the mom in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, okay. Great character actress, and sadly, she she just passed away. George Carlin, playing Eddie Detreville. Oh, man.
0: He is delightful and so unexpected.
1: I just love sweet George Carlin. Yeah, People are always like George Carlin was so edgy and pushed boundaries and was like in his stand up. But in real life and in his acting, he tended to play a sweetheart.
0: And also he was the conductor on Thomas the Tank Engine in the United States for a while
1: because of the way he took apart words and language. And Mm -hmm. that was his
0: whole stand up. He brings a childlike quality to what he does. I mean, it is a childlike aspect, but what it is is. He just plays curious.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: He, he plays curious in all of those things. It's just like, why? Because that's what I mean, that that is the basis of his language. Like, why is it this way? It shouldn't be. That's stupid.
1: And in this, he is the sweetest next door gay neighbor that you could ever hope to have.
0: He is precious. And, and also someone like him playing someone who's gay in the 90s. I mean, early 90s is very, it's a very big deal. Mr.
1: As Bernard Woodruff, the son, Jason Gould, son of Barbara Streisand and Elliot Gould. He's horrible. Oh man.
0: Like, you didn't get either of your your parents' talent in this arena. No. Sorry, kid. I hope they left you they leave you some money. Who could
1: have been better? Chris O'Donnell. Yes. He actually won the role, but then writer Pat Conroy saw him and didn't think he worked. Conroy then looked at the pile of actors, picked out one that he thought worked, and said Barbara should pick him. And that actor was Jason Gould.
0: That's funny. (laughs) That is actually funny.
1: Can you imagine Barbara? My son?
0: My son to play my son? What? (laughs) This is ridiculous.
1: Nick Searcy as a man at party, he's going to get mentioned a lot more when we talk about our next movie. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Hmm. And finally... In a minor role, a gentleman by the name of John Simmet, whose most notable fact is he played Dipsy, the green Teletubby.
0: Cool. Awards. Awards.
1: Man, there's some scraping of the bottom barrel for some trivia here, guys. Like, There's nothing on this movie. Cool. This movie was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Oh. I, I think you'll be okay. It's, All right. Go let's, with me. Let's, let's hear them. Best original score. James Newton Howard. All right, fine. It's a James Newton Howard special. Whatever. Best art set decoration. No. Best cinematography. No. Best adapted screenplay.
0: Fuck off and die.
1: <laughs> best supporting actress Kate Nelligan. Fine. For you're like whatever. Pretty much. Best actor Nick Nolte. Yes. Hallelujah.
0: I'll allow it. Fair.
1: And best picture
0: fuck off and die <laughs> nope i'm glad you lost to the movie i know you lost too uh
1: all right trivia.
0: trivia
1: barbara hired john barry of james bond fame to score the film but he left the project when she insisted he move from new york to la so that she could work more closely with him <clears throat> then she started to directly interfere with his score And Barry stated that he didn't want to work with, quote, someone constantly looking over his shoulder and resigned. Good for him. He told Barbara, quote, you don't buy a dog and do the barking yourself. Barbara pleaded with him to stay on, stated that she adored his scores, and Barry apparently stated, yup, and I wrote them all without you. (laughs)
0: Love it. I love it when someone lets (laughs) Barbara have it for being a pain in the ass. Despite
1: playing a world-renowned violin player in this movie, Jeroen Krabbe never played the violin himself before this film. okay. He showed the piece he had to play to two professional players who had difficulty learning it themselves. Hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, he watched them, learned every movement from pure memory, and he copied it for the scene that they filmed. Barbara was so impressed that upon cut, she spontaneously hugged him. Okay. <laughs> this is a, just a neat little note. Well done. hmm and of course, Barbara has to Barbara.
0: Yes. She because she's does. Barbara. Barbara.
1: When broadcasting the movie on NBC in 1995, Barbara called the network mid-movie to have the network lower the volume on the commercials. They were so loud compared to a very quiet film. She's got a logic. I'm not that mad. The weekend operations manager at NBC obliged and reduced the commercials by two decibels.
0: I mean, I 100% agree that there's no magic of audio of audio between commercials and television but also i stream everything now so who
1: cares? i'm just amazed that she had the clout to do it <laughs>
0: of course she did
1: and a week after the film's opening she phoned a columbia executive at seven o'clock in the morning on new year's day demanding that a hedge on sunset boulevard be trimmed the hedge was not blocking the film's title It was obscuring her directed by credit on the billboard.
0: Yeah, Barbara's gonna Barbara.
1: And that leads us to ratings.
0: Oh my god.
1: For every movie we have a specific rating system for this movie.
0: How many easy chairs? No,
1: that's not this movie. Come on.
0: No, I just hate her for it.
1: (laughs) How, How many sweatpants for the football stuff?
0: How many sweatpants? Fine.
1: And what people who love this movie where when they want to have a good cry?
0: It does not induce do crying. Ah,
1: uh, it gets close. I'm going for a two.
0: Going for one.
1: Ooh, ooh, you're mad. You are mad at this I'm movie.
0: Annoyed. I am annoyed at this movie. That as mad annoyed.
1: as I was at JFK.
0: That's funny, but true.
1: <laughs> Nick Nolte brings it way up for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then I, I think for me, it was. It wasn't good, but it was really interesting to watch Barbara at the helm Mm -hmm. versus what we've seen from her before, and to be like, okay, you know, this is this is a bad project, and there's a lot going on. I think you made some poor decisions, but I do find it interesting how much better the movie feels when you do actually have control. Like, it didn't feel like it was going completely off the rails, like Mm -hmm. some of that shit did. It's just that this is a bad story and a bad script and it probably shouldn't have been made into a movie but in 1991 it's what passed for entertainment
0: no thank you I mean I I feel like it's a one it's Nick Nolte is what makes it he's doing great in all his scenes he's got that one amazing scene um that's it like there's nothing else special about this movie nothing
1: well there it is so let's go from a southern gentleman in turmoil to some southern women because we are going to watch Fried Green Tomatoes.
0: Ah, it's the lesbian movie.
1: I, I I mean, you you tell me, I don't know anything about this, so.
0: So, th- this is a movie that I don't know that I've seen, like, all the way through in one sitting, but this one they play on TV a lot. And then, like, as I got older, I learned that, oh, this whole movie, like, their relationship, those women were together. I was like, okay, cool, like, fine, whatever. So, yeah. Is it the, and they were roommates of movies? kind of yeah, kinda, yeah. <laughs> or like definitely so there are a couple things that i like just know about the movie uh, 'cause i i'm sure i've read the trivia at some point So yeah hmm. that'll be i i don't think i've seen it in probably easy 10 15 years so this should be fun i'm intrigued that, that's i think it's, it's a good film it's one that i was
1: like eh, i don't care but you know we're here and now i'm gonna watch it and i'll get to yeah. say i've seen it
0: yeah yeah
1: but before we go
0: But before we go,
1: we have some new movies to talk about. New
0: movies. First we saw Tar. Set in the
1: international world of Western classical music, the film centers on Lydia Tar, widely considered one of the greatest living composer-conductors and the very first female director of a major German orchestra.
0: Yeah, so we've been working on our Best Picture nominees, our our filling out those Oscar gaps we've got. This one was pretty good. This was one of the longer ones we had to see. I really enjoyed it. This has
1: been sticking with me a lot. Mm, Okay. And not in the same way that like everything everywhere made such a huge impression and stuck with me just because of like a pure joy of movies Mm -hmm. and like the sweetness and richness of its message. This one's been sticking with me kind of like the social network stuck with me. Mm.
0: it's a little bit it's kind of it's haunting
1: yeah and in a really subtle way yeah i i was i was thinking about it a lot and i was like this movie is a mirror Mm -hmm. whatever attitudes you have about the subject matter of this movie will be reflected back to you Mm -hmm. and they will be reflected back to you in a way in which it'll make you question why you have that Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of the brilliant trick that Todd Field did here, yeah, which is it's something that his his you know maestro his the the guy he admires the most, Stanley Kubrick, tried to do and didn't really succeed with very often mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I think he really pulls that off, and adding to it just being a beautiful movie and a beautifully acted movie, mm-hmm. he really does pull off a bit of a magic trick with this that I was like okay, all right, I get it. I get why this was such a huge deal. Yeah,
0: I mean, it is it's a beautiful movie. It's a really slow movie, and not in a bad way. It's just like they're kind of like, they're just kind of like showing you a few things bit by bit by bit, and really letting you kind of figure some things out. And I feel like they do a really good job of showing you, but not telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really, and like I, I like that you said it was a mirror but it really lets you decide how bad is she because there's no argument that she's bad she's not a good person
1: and there's no definitive answer as to what happened
0: true i'll say i believe victims but that's what's com- what's really compelling is that she is very much involved in her own demise apart from the predator stuff she's very much the person that's digging her own grave. The
1: the point of all of this is is not to comment on cancel culture, which I think some critics got a hold of and, and mm-hmm. misjudged. The movie is meant to show how self absorbed creative people can get, mm-hmm. and and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. Like there are some uh, there are some people who are beautiful creators who are also very self absorbed,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's why they make beautiful things. But <laughs> It is a double-edged sword.
0: Yeah, it it really can be,
1: and that's I think what's so fascinating. Again, this is this is a movie that I'm gonna have to watch again, and it's going to linger for a while. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm I am not mad at the level of recognition it's gotten at this point. I was like I don't know, and uh, no, it's it's well worth the watch.
0: Uh, David was totally trashing this based on all of the cancel culture. Okay, okay, fine. I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, you were. Next we saw Triangle of Sadness.
1: A fashion model celebrity couple. Join an eventful cruise for the super rich.
0: This movie is so weird. I loved it.
1: (laughs) This is not the best movie of the year. No. But it is wicked. It is audacious. It is so fucking funny.
0: I will put it in the same camp as the menu in that it's absurdist commentary mm. on society, but done so well. Um, and it is it is so entertaining.
1: Yeah. To me, where the menu was such a tightly woven little mystery box and was enjoyable on that front, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just such a perfectly crafted thing. This movie is just a fucking mess, but that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I am also a little bit upset that Dolly De Leon did not get nominated for some type of acting award here. Yeah. Cause that woman's fucking incredible. Yeah. And people who like are into Filipino films know she's incredible. Mm-hmm. But like, this is one of those holy shit, this woman's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, her biggest moments don't come in until two thirds of the way through the movie.
0: Oh, but it it's totally worth it. Because I really didn't have a great idea of what was going to happen. And it's the movie's told in three parts. And it's great. Yeah, um, And it, again, it's one of the longer films. But it moves very well.
1: I mean, pe- people have said this. And, and I haven't gotten to see his other movies, especially Force Majeure*, which has been on my list for, ever since I heard the premise. Mm-hmm. But Ruben Ostlund, to many people's minds, is like, he's our best satirist in film right now. Because he's willing to push it to this level, but also really craft it and explore all those little niches mm-hmm. of what those things mean. And he just, he skewers it, but he skewers it from every angle. Yeah. I think that's the most fascinating part. Um, it's, it's a real fun movie. Is it the best movie this year? No, but it's really wild and really yes. fun.
0: The nomination is cool.
1: And it is the Palm d'Or winner, so... <coughs> yeah, it's up in my throat.
0: <gasps> Next we saw Ant-Man in the Waste, Quantum Mania.
1: Okay. Unfortunately, people who don't go to the Alamo aren't going to get that joke.
0: Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> I, I don't care. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, explore the Quantum Realm, where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure. It goes beyond the limits of what they thought was
0: possible. Is this the best Marvel movie? No. Is it fun? Yes! Um, I don't need my, my superhero films to be perfectly scripted, standalone films. Can they be? Yes, they can! Do I like it when they are? Absolutely! But I like Marvel, so I have done all of my homework, and I enjoyed it. We got We got Funny, we got Paul Rudd. We got a cool new bad guy. We got Paul Rudd. We got like set up for cool shit in the future. We got more Paul Rudd. It was great.
1: I, this was a perfectly fun time at the movies. Yeah. We took our People kids. People were acting like this was like, oh, this is this is just a low point for Marvel. I was like, I don't know, man. I've seen some worse Marvel movies. I'm going to be real yeah. with you. Yeah. No, it's not the best. And it's, it's lesser than some of the really great stalwarts that they've been able to make. But it was fun. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. The callbacks were fun. The whole relationship with his daughter evolving is fun and, and sweet. Yeah. And then you got
0: Kang. And I'm like, you know, Kang is I'm not going to be mad. Shit. No, I can't be mad. And I'm sure what as we move through this phase of the MCU, I'm sure we'll be blown away by shit that we didn't realize was in this one to surprise us. And that's cool.
1: It's a perfectly fun time at the movies. And here's the thing I will say about this. You're going to get a whole lot more. This is not one of their standalones, for sure.
0: No, not at all. But
1: you'll have a good time just watching a silly comic action movie, too. (laughs) You will.
0: Always and forever, Paul Rudd. Next we saw Causeway.
1: An American soldier suffers a traumatic brain injury while fighting in Afghanistan and struggles to adjust to life back home. Once again, Apple coming through with a movie I had zero expectations for.
0: Yeah, and it was great. It was a really quiet little movie. I don't think the story is anything exceedingly special, but it's performed so beautifully by our our two leads.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That to me was the interesting thing was like this is a solid, you know, watchable indie movie. That happened to have two fantastic actors at the home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, Brian Tyree Henry got the nomination for supporting actor for this. Jennifer Lawrence is just as good. And, and like we've had much more audacious performances, so I get why she isn't in the nominations this year. Like I totally do. But she is fantastic in this movie.
0: Yeah, like the female slate this year is tough.
1: <laughs> and and this is one of those movies that it's just like, I probably never would have watched it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Would have just gone blip past my radar, and I, honestly, I would have said the same for Coda had it not gotten the recognition it got last year.
0: See, Coda was on my radar before, so I wanted to see that.
1: I had heard about it, but I didn't. I didn't think it was going to get the buzz, mm-hmm. and so then I was kind of like, "All right, well, I don't care that much." Apple Films is leading the way right now in making these like very small, very thoughtful indie movies, and man, those are always nice to watch. So this is. This is a good one. If you've got Apple TV, I recommend it. I recommend catching it. It's it's really good.
0: And last we saw, Living.
1: In 1950s London, a humorless civil servant decides to take time off work to experience life after receiving a grim diagnosis.
0: This one we had to go to the theater for. Swoon. It was really good. Um, this, this is a remake mm-hmm. of a Kurosawa film. Yes. Which means the source material is great.
1: And it's pitch perfect remake 1952's Ikiru, which is I believe they adapted it straight from Kurosawa's screenplay. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's the only modifications done to this are to set it in London and to make sure that the environment works. But it is fascinating how well the story translates between those two cultures, though honestly, I think that has a lot more to do with the fact that it's just a beautiful story. I had seen Ikiru before and I I'd forgotten so much about it other than when they got to one of the key shots in this movie I like fist pumped cuz I was like they did it they did the shot mm. um but I remember being charmed by it then and this is charming now and Bill Nighy is giving the performance of a career yes. <laughs> he is he is so beautifully understated in this movie <laughs>
0: Uh, when we came out of it, you said it reminded you of Anthony Hopkins and the father. Yes. Um, And that it's like, you expect good things from this actor. Like you, you like the guy's never going to show up and be bad, but there's something so subtle about how good he is here. And I think it really is because the character he plays is so insular. He's Mm -hmm. so retreated into himself, but like you can see, like you can see him start to like, figure things out his shoulders relax a little bit and then like he just kind of like buoys himself at a certain point and it's so beautiful to watch it really is all the supporting actors like so rise to the occasion with him no one's being outshined by bill Nike, which like also that would have been really fucking easy to do <laughs> like everyone does a fabulous job it's so beautiful and again it's another similar to causeway it's a really quiet story but it's just so carefully done that it is it is really beautiful and like there are images from this film that will stick with me just because they're so beautiful and so that does make me want to see the Kurosawa one because everything that dude makes is awesome yeah. so yeah like great cool I'm, I, I totally recognize this is a great uh, nomination not gonna win but cool
1: <laughs> see this movie whenever you can and then go watch Ikiru as well it's just it's such a perfect small little story and it's it it's one of those this is everything i love about movies (laughs) in a movie even though i know it's not the best thing that's been done this year all
0: right so until next time have a good movie